the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, happy Friday, everybody. Glad you tuned into the program today, The Blaze Radio Network. I'll get you caught up on all the, well, it's not breaking news anymore, but it's it came down after this program yesterday, a bulk of it. So we'll get you all caught up, most likely in the flip around, but let me tell you how to get in touch with the show, because today it's going to be a debate between me, your liberty-loving Latino, and my good buddy Ruben Navarrete about the wisdom of this proposed portion of immigration reform, the green card immigration reform, merit-based immigration. That's all coming up uh, with me and Ruben debating it. Each of us disagreeing for the most part. 888 the phone number, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's how you get on-demand listening for this programming and other programming here at the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app, and the iHeart Radio app. Listening to the show live. Now, social media, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas, on Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show, and Salcedo is spelled S-A-L-C-E-D-O. Uh, now, look, the, oh, oh I forgot, Blaze.com, Blaze.com, channel section, The Chris Salcedo Show presence there as well. I'm going to briefly, and you can, you can keep the, the music up, just let it go, because I'm going to try to fly through this as quickly as I can. Because a lot of it's, I don't want to say fake news, but not very important. Bob Mueller, the man with tons of conflicts, conflicts of interest, has convened a grand jury looking into Russia collusion. Everybody's in, in Washington, the Never Trumpers and... The Democrats are doing this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because whenever they hear Russia, they think Trump. And they want you to think Trump. But Bob Mueller is looking into alleged collusion. Looking into Russian interference in our elections. So, anyway, he's convened this. And and the reason why he did this was because there was growing talk on Capitol Hill about getting rid of him about demanding he resign because of all of his conflicts of interest. Because he's good friends with James Comey. Because he auditioned for the job. Because he's uh, hired nothing but Democrat donors. Nothing but Democrat partisans to go after this investigation. And many believe to try to get something, anything, on a member of the Trump administration to cripple his administration so he will be ineffective going forward. Whether they get Donald Trump or not, they want to cripple his administration. Sow the seeds of doubt so that they won't be opposed when they take what many are calling this soft coup to the next level, which is impeachment. So, uh, problem is the rest of the country isn't paying attention the rest of the country doesn't care 
The rest of the country sees what this is. Sees the conflicts of interest, knowing that Hillary Clinton would never be subjected to a, uh, an investigation like this with such conflicts of interests. But, you know, Democrats get treated with kid gloves. Republicans get treated unfairly. It's what we've seen. Do not forget that Scooter Libby in the last special prosecutor slash counsel investigation was not convicted of any crime that led that, that stemmed from the initial investigation, which was to find out who leaked the name of Valerie Plame, an alleged undercover CIA operative. The day the investigation started, Patrick Fitzgerald knew who the leaker was. A guy by the name of Richard Armitage. And Richard Armitage didn't do anything wrong. So he never saw a day of jail. Scooter Libby got caught in a process crime. They were going back over so many years and he made a contradictory statement and voila, two years in the pokey. They got their scalp. And that's what the special counsel is doing right now. It's illegitimate. I don't trust it. And you shouldn't either. Period. End of sentence. Um, H.R. McMaster has allowed Susan Rice to keep her top security clearance. Yes, Donald Trump's national security advisor has allowed Susan Rice to keep her her top secret national security clearance To what end, I don't know. To what good for the American people, I do not know, as this woman is under investigation for illegally unmasking American citizens. And many are wondering if H.R. McMaster is to be trusted, not only by Trump, but by the nation. I'm wondering that out loud. Uh, Donald Trump's transcripts, his conversations with Mexican president and the... Prime Minister of Australia, they leaked in their entirety, and they were embarrassing. But also revealing that Donald Trump was very concerned about what the voters think of him. That's a novel concept, isn't it? But not only did it damage Donald Trump, mission accomplished by the felonious leakers, but it also told America's allies that in the deep state's zealotry, to destroy Donald Trump, they don't care how many foreign countries they bring down with them. Mr. Turnbull's got a lot of questions to answer at home now because of these reprobates, because of these felons who are leaking this information. He now has to answer why he, on this phone call, supported Trump, uh, Donald Trump's temporary uh, ban on Major, six majority Muslim countries, but not the other 43 majority Muslim countries. And, oh yes, the governor of West Virginia has switched from Democrat to Republican. Now that is going to be my version of the flip around because I can tell you that CNN and MSNBS are grand jury all the time. And right now it's Shepard Smith over on Fox News and it's grand jury all the time, wall to wall. There was no sense in uh, doing the flip around because they're all on the same page. All of the left-leaning folks are on the same page. So uh, when we come back, we'll debate 
well, the big stories from 18 hours ago, <laughs> which was changing America's immigration policy to a merit-based system and the values of that and those who are not fans. Ruben Navarrete Jr. and I debate next here on the Salcedo Show on The Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Switching to a merit-based immigration system. Let's talk about it with our with our guest today, Ruben Navarrete Jr., the most read Latino nationally syndicated columnist, contributor to FoxNews.com, offers analysis and commentary on various TV networks, and is a valued pal of mine. You see his offerings at various publications around the country and the great state of Texas, too. Uh, Houston Chronicle and the Democrat Morning News among them. Ruben, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Chris, my friend, yesterday I was on a radio interview with on Fox News Radio, and he said, you know, Hispanics uh, come to this country and they don't assimilate. And it's <laughs> funny because here, here you have a guy named Salcedo and Navarrete on radio. We're doing this interview in, in English because neither one of us could do it in Spanish. So there. Well, I, I, and again, uh, I'm third generation, so that there's a, there's a little bit yeah, that has something to do with that. And uh, yeah, But at so any there, rate. There, uh, there's that big misnomer. They, they really don't know uh, us as well as they think they do. Well, you know, and that, but see, that's the thing, and that's, we're going to get it to talk. To, this is the substance of everything. That the rules have changed since our families came over three generations ago, uh, and I, I think what you're uh, you're third generation too, aren't you? So on the you know, California side, third generation. On the Texas side, my mom's side, about fifth generation. Yeah. Uh, okay. And well, I would I would say you you have much more aggressive attempt by media companies and beer companies and everybody to sell us products in Spanish, so people have gotten confused. They drive to work. Uh, or down to 635, they see a Spanish billboard, and they say, aha, Hispanics aren't assimilating. I always tell people, don't, don't blame the fish for the bait, okay? Well, These you know, and I can't, hey, I don't, I don't blame private businesses for wanting to go after that market. I never have. But I do blame government for forcing us to push one for English. I do blame government for uh, the, the, the forms printed in triplicate because uh, they can't get their act together and make English and the, the official language, the, the, the language yeah, of commerce. I agree with you. All those things that have confused yeah. people and led them to believe that somehow we're not learning English, that that's separate and apart. What government and business do is separate and apart from the fact that English always prevails. Hispanics do assimilate. And again, the joke is here we are, Salcedo and Navarrete. We couldn't do this show in Spanish. Yeah. Let's talk about the proposal that's being offered by two Republican senators and endorsed by the president of the United States, this merit-based system. Now, I got to tell you, Rube, I, had, I was engaged by m members of the left who accused our country if we adopted the system of being a racist country. So that means that Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and others who use a merit-based system are also racist. But uh, one Democrat who was engaging me on Twitter said, oh, no, no, they're, they're not racist. It's only because Trump is here. That's what makes it racist. It's, it reminds me It reminds me of that ACLU lawyer who said that the, the temporary ban from six countries uh, was unconstitutional only because Trump was doing it. If Obama had done it, if Hillary Clinton had done it, or if right. uh, uh, George Bush had done it, it would have been constitutional. Right. But it was Trump that made it unconstitutional. Right. So, I mean, this double standard really, really stinks, doesn't it? 
Yeah, well, you got. I mean, you and I know we've talked about this before. I'm a thousand percent in your camp on that. The double standard, the fact that we in the press are so much harder on Trump on all these issues than we were, uh, you know, with Clinton on immigration or Obama on the war on terror. I got it. But I don't want to talk about whether this is racist or not. I want to talk about the fact that the reason I don't like this legislation, I think it's dreadful legislation, is because it's two other ist words. It's not, aside from being whether or not it's racist or not, it's protectionist. It seems like it was written by the, the working class of the ACLU, uh, excuse me, yeah, the, the FLCIO, the AFL-CIO, the uh, labor movement that says basically the reason people in Ohio don't have jobs isn't because they've made poor choices, didn't leave Youngstown, and got on drugs. Uh, but no, the reason they don't have jobs is because immigrants are coming in taking these jobs. When Tom Cotton says that he wrote this bill because he thinks immigration policies should exist to improve the lot of American workers, that sounds an awful lot like a blue-collar Democrat up in the Rust Belt states, and I don't like it. Okay, let me, let me offer a counter view here. Because I, I understand, because I, I have a financial services background, I understand that uh, markets matter and market forces matter. And if you have a commodity like oil and there's a whole bunch of oil in the market, the prices are going to drop. If you have a commodity like corn and it's, there's a whole bunch of corn, there's a surplus of corn in the market, the prices are going to drop. Labor is the same principle you have too much labor the prices will drop and that's what the trump administration says well that's 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 not that's not good policy so we're not going to do that there's a difference here when you're dealing with corn or you know cattle futures these are inanimate objects but when you're dealing with human beings human beings can make good or bad choices and and on the construction business for instance i was fighting with somebody yesterday from the construction field construction workers in dallas texas want to make 50 dollars an hour they want to uh, have time and a half they want to have two pensions when they retire, one from the company, one from the, the union that represents them. They, they price themselves out of the market, and then they complain when somebody else does the job for less money. Construction workers want to be paid like they're doctors and lawyers. They didn't go to school for that, but they want to be paid that way. And this is what really bothers me about what Cotton says. It is not the job of immigration policy to make sure that my good-for-nothing brother-in-law up in Illinois, okay, who graduate, graduated only from high school, didn't go to college, never had any training, made bad choices, got on drugs, Somehow we carry him along. We carry him along and we push him along and we create a subsidy for him because he's made bad choices and has a screwed up life. No way. That's not the purpose of the immigration policy. That sounds like crazy Democrats up in the Rust Belt state. Republicans should not be talking this way. Well, again, and I think you and I have had this discussion before about uh, about overhead that american citizens have that 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 foreign-born citizens do not have many of their countries do not have entitlement states because many of their countries don't give a damn about their people so they they are willing to work for far less money because they don't have homes and families and high taxes to pay that these these money don't get don't don't get hung up on the less money it's also the fact that immigrants have since the beginning of time whether we're talking about the irish the italians the jews or the germans they've always worked harder than the people who are here Indians, people come from India, they come legally, they come from China, they come legally, they play by the rules. I've been told for 20 years, I have been lied to by the Republican Party for 20 years, and they told me, hey, we have no beef with legal immigrants, it's only illegal immigrants, stop confusing the two. Well, this week I found out that was all a lie, that people have wanted to do away with legal immigrants who play well, by the rules, and that's that- not right. This, 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 that's two different discussions. What we're talking about is legal immigration reform, which, which I have always said, and you've even agreed with me, needs reform. And, and we yeah, also have an illegal immigration problem. Now, hold on. Let, let, let me finish. Let me finish. Go ahead. We have Go ahead. two separate problems. 
an illegal immigration problem and a legal immigration problem. Our legal immigration problem is that we're operating on an antiquated, over 50-year-old system that doesn't recognize modern America, modern technology, and the modern circumstances we find ourselves in. It is pure idiocy to rely on a 50- or 60-year-old immigration, a legal immigration system that needs serious reform and to pretend that everything is the same today as it was 60 years ago. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, and here's, here's where I agree with you. But this is not the right remedy. The right remedy is to move away from family reunification as one of the primary uh, motives for driving your legal immigration policy, but not to go to a merit-based system where getting into the United States is like getting into Harvard or Yale. We should not. That's be not. That's that's a gross. That's not, a gross mischaracterization. No, 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 we, should be, we should not. We should not have a Canadian-type point system that uh, rewards people for higher education, for more skills, for speaking English. For all these things that we never measured when we were talking about Germans or Italians or Irish. And I'll tell you why, Chris, because when you recruit people into the United States from these other places that shows throughout our history, they come here with nothing, no ability to speak the language. They fall in love with the country. They become a dead to the country. Their kids go off and loyally serve our country and fight our wars. But when you recruit people from China and India or wherever, and they have these PhDs, they can go to our country or anywhere else. And they come to this, this country, the United States, like they're doing us a favor, like they're doing us a favor. The entire mindset is different. The tradition I want to preserve is the, the one that drove Italian immigrants here, unable to speak the language, fell in love with the country, and they look back and they say, everything I have, I owe to the United States. Not that I came here already as a pre-packaged entity, uh, and I owe nothing to this country. That's completely the wrong model. Well, well and again, I, I got to disagree because, again, back to my original point, America is different than it was during the Irish immigration wave during the Italian immigration wave. Let me play a soundbite by, by Charles Krauthammer, who I think really exemplified what it is we're talking about here. Listen to this. I, I love the hypocrisy of the liberals who are so shocked by this. People who sort of swoon over Canada's uh, progressivism with its national health care and its uh, matinee star liberal prime minister who want him to be the leader here. All of a sudden, when the U.S. proposes essentially the Canadian system, the merit-based system, are shocked at how mean and racist it is. This is a no-brainer. We, here's the analogy. The United States is the place everybody wants to go, every immigrant. You find somebody on a raft in the South China Sea where they want to go, United States. We have the top 100 draft picks for the NBA, and instead we choose to pick people randomly out of the Karachi phone book. And, and what he's saying is, if you had a choice between, and, and Ruben, I, before you even came on, I, I, I posited this to the audience. If you have a choice of somebody that's going to come in and, and put in a pool or put in a sprinkler system in your yard, and you, here's a guy that shows up and says, hey, I have no skill, I have no skill whatsoever, hire me, I'll do it for you. And other guy says, here, I've got 10 years experience, uh, let me do it for you. Who are you going to hire? Who are you going to hire? Yeah. And, and I think that the same principle holds for the United States and our immigration Here's policy. Hold, hold that thought. i got to get to a break. Okay. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break and get Ruben Navarrete's uh, response to that, folks, here on the Chris Salcedo Show, and you get to weigh in. Yep, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. It's Chris Salcedo Show. Back in two shakes in the Blaze Radio Network.
The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. And welcome back. Happy Friday, everybody. I am glad you've tuned into the program, The Chris Salcedo Show. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love the United States of America. Continuing my conversation with Ruben Navarrete Jr., the most read Latino nationally syndicated columnist around our great land. And the question we posited to him before we went to the break was why is it there why is it there this expectation that America is a jobs training program for the world? So Rube, take it. Okay, so you played a clip beforehand from my Washington Post colleague, uh, Charles Krautheimer. There's twenty writers in the writers group. Charles is one, I'm one. Here's the thing. I know more about I've forgotten more about the immigration debate over twenty five years of writing about it than Charles Krautheimer and George Will put together. Okay. Because you cannot understand the immigration debate from their vantage point in Washington DC. I covered it from Dallas, Texas for five years, two years in Phoenix, 12 years in San Diego along the border. And what they don't understand and what Charles doesn't understand in that comment is that you're not running, you know, the Harvard admissions program where you simply look at the people who are, quote, most qualified. He doesn't understand that the definition of skills also includes the willingness to do a job. That when I was living in Richardson and I'd see people on 110 degrees on, in July and there were guys tarring the roof and there were, those were jobs that Americans were not doing. When I was in downtown Dallas and they had immigrants on scaffolding going up to bank one tower and, and, and really cleaning the windows way up there, way up high when Americans wouldn't do those jobs. That's a skill set as well. Also, he's never been out in the fields. He's never been out as I have out to cover, you know, farmers and farm workers. He'd find out that those jobs are a lot more skill oriented than he realizes. So people from Washington, DC, really, when they talk about immigration, really speak from a position of ignorance. They don't understand this issue uh, as well as the folks who live out in the Southwest. Well, and I'll offer a counter to that. Uh, it, it is not that these individuals are doing jobs that Americans won't do. These individuals are doing jobs Americans won't do at that particular price, at that particular yeah, wage. Num- that's, number that's one. That's not true. Number, that's, well, that's hold on. I, I let you. I let you go. So let me just provide my counter here. Also, again, the times are changing. I do recognize that we have the construction industry that is heavily reliant on illegal alien labor. I understand that we have, uh, and also immigrant labor. I also understand that we have uh, the agriculture industry that's, that's, that's heavily dependent on these. But there are other industries that are high-tech. There are other industries like Walt Disney. There are other industries that are, that are using these H-1B visas to be able to bring in cheaper labor, have Americans train the replacement, and then fire the Americans to save on the bottom line. And many Americans are saying, that's just not right. And the, importing the best and the brightest used to be a concept that Americans coveted. And now, as, yeah. as Charles Krauthammer p- uh, uh, puts it, we're, we're choosing from the Karachi phone book as, as if that's somehow meritorious. And it is not. Yeah. It is bad for the country. Yeah, see, the, it's a poor analogy. Nobody goes through the phone book to find these people. These people come here on their own from China, from Pakistan, from India. Again, legally. They come legally. They follow the rules. We said you have to follow the rules. They do. Now we're changing the rules and saying, oh, that doesn't count anymore. You know, these are well, people what's who wrong with that? have to come here. Well, what's wrong on. with that? Just, well, let me, you just let me, I'll let you talk. Let me talk. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, Sir Charles, the whole idea of the, of the phone book, this really shows you how ignorant, you know, the perspective is from Washington on immigration. The people who come here, whether it be from India, China, whatever, they actually vote with their feet. They're not just sitting there in the phone book. We pick names out and say, you're coming here. They have an initiative that I drive. The whole point about that you mentioned before about how the big lie is somehow they would do these jobs. Americans would do these jobs. Those kids working at Starbucks would gladly go out and tar the roofs out in Richardson, 110 degrees if you pay them enough money. One, I've heard, well, I've heard from Americans who said they'll go out and pick peaches or lettuce for $1,000 a week, okay? Nobody's going to pay a lettuce picker more than a first-year teacher makes, nor should we. We have a completely exaggerated sense as Americans of our self-worth and our value. I've had people call up uh, radio shows and say they want landscaping jobs that were advertised for 50 bucks an hour, and it turns out they don't have no landscaping experience. Americans do not suffer from low self-esteem, but we suffer oftentimes from low skills and low talent. But we really think we're entitled to these things because we won the birth lottery and we're born in this country through no help, no benefit of our own, no credit to our own. We, you know, mom had us here, so all of a sudden we're American citizens, and then we think we can go through life somehow with a sense of entitlement. It's crazy. There's no, there's no sense of entitlement, but there, you do expect your government to work in your best interest. And, and the, the question I posited to you is, is the rules are changing. It, it, it is not yeah. incumbent upon the United States of America to keep the rules the same to meet other countries' needs and uh, people oh, from other countries' needs. So what I'm going to yeah. suggest to you is that since the founding of this country, our immigration policies have changed, and they've changed commensurate with what the economy needs and what the United States right. needs. And now we are deciding that we need to have people in here that can contribute to the economy right away who are not drawing from the system. We're stopping chain migration. We don't let the green card recipient bring in his grandmother who immediately gets on public assistance. We it don't is, allow the chain... Mi- hold, hold on, let me finish. We don't allow yourself. the chain migration guy bring in yeah. uh, children who immediately get into... Uh, uh, that are not producing anything, who immediately get into the school system uh, and, wow. and start drawing on the system. That's, that's, Chris, we're changing no, that dynamic. It's, it's, we can't Chris, afford it anymore. You have no idea what's going outside, on outside your window in Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Texas, in the Metroplex, you're telling me that when people come here, regardless of how they get here, when they work, into, when they work in restaurants and construction fields, they're not contributing to out to society. They're not making money for that company, making money for themselves, spending their paychecks in the community. One of the reasons Dallas – understand this. The, one of the reasons that Dallas, Fort Worth, and the Metroplex in Houston, Texas, are re- relatively recession-proof has always been because of immigrant labor, because you have such a big, strong immigrant population there. To think somehow these people who get up early and work late and contribute and pay taxes, and yes, they do pay taxes, a variety of them, including if they're here illegally, they pay sales tax and property taxes and payroll taxes they're never going to get back. This idea somehow that Dallas owes its prosperity to only native-born people who live in Texas is just ludicrous. It's not true. I live there. It's not, I know. It's not, at, all, it's not at all what we're saying. It's not, it's not at all what the policy says. The policy says that we're going to start getting people with a bigger economic impact. That, again, and you, and you made my point perfectly. We're going to have a bigger economic impact. Those who we bring in will have higher paying jobs, higher tax base, so they can start generating revenue, not only for the government, but also for the local economies, a lot more than the jobs that you mentioned. Well, I like the fact that you've, mod- you've moderated now, you've modified it to bigger contribution as opposed to no contribution at all. But I will agree with you. That I didn't say no. I didn't say no contribution. I just okay. look. And, and yeah, there's one more. Uh, I've only got about two minutes and I wanted to get into one more aspect uh, of yeah. this of this debate, because some who are opposing this are calling one of the provisions an English only provision. You understand right. that 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 is that that is not what this bill does. Right. 
Yeah, English should not be a part of this discussion. That was really a problem. No, no, no that wasn't my question. You, un- you understand that English only is not what this provision says, right? I understand that English only laws and English first and official English laws are completely different from what we're talking about here. But I also right. understand that we've never required that people come here already speaking English. The assumption was that they would learn English once we're not required. This bill doesn't hold on. I I can't. This bill does not require that either. What English does provide is a higher point value on this point system. Right. So that so so an an immigrant can have all of the other uh, high scores and all the other ones, uh, all the other criteria and then get in. English isn't necessarily an eliminating factor. I understand that, Chris. I understand that Jeff Sessions, uh, the Attorney General down at the Justice Department, said this week he wants to do away with affirmative action in higher education. But now we're talking about a higher uh, affirmative action for English speakers. We're giving them a preference in the system. And so there's more dichotomy. There are more contradictions. It's not part of this very confused administration. They want affirmative action for some people, but not for others. I get the point. I would agree with you that we have to change the system. It should be more demand-driven. If we need nurses, don't recruit doctors. If we need teachers, don't recruit pharmacists. Bring in what we need, you know, in family reunification. But this thing, this merit-based system is wrong, and it's going to create more problems because this is not the Harvard Admissions Office. The United States of America is bigger than that. All right, Ruben Avedda Jr., a spirited debate, my friend. Most read Latino nationally syndicated columnist, contributor over there at foxnews.com, and you've seen him in various publications all over our great land. You have a great weekend, sir, and we'll find out what the folks think about it. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, your call's next here on The Blaze, 888-900-3393, Be right back. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, some of you guys want to comment on what you guys just heard, this debate between uh, Ruben and I. Where do you sit on this whole issue? Uh, telephone numbers, 888-900-3393. To Colorado, we go first. Hey, John, welcome to the Salcedo Show. Hey, uh, Chris, how's it going, man? Doing well, sir. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Um, just wanted to bounce a uh, couple ideas off of you um first of all i thought i thought the irish spoke english (laughs) you know the the irish do speak english yes oh oh just wanted to just wanted to confirm but anyway um you know the the left's narrative of of um you know illegals are doing the jobs that americans don't want to do is just so silly on its face first of all um you know if if you're if you're if if you're hiring some somebody you know you hire them for the skills that they have and if you're running a business it doesn't matter if you know it's going to cost you a little bit more a little bit less what you're looking at is the bottom line of of the of the business well, my, my buddy Ruben's a little more cynical on on the character of the American people than I am. Uh, right. and, and what, and what, but look, and you know what, what, he, what I, I, I do know where he arrives at the 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 
the, the cancer of welfare and what it has done to the work ethic of the United States has has been disastrous. I'll give him that. He's absolutely right. Well, true, true. But true. but you know, you you subject uh, enough people to socialism over a time, it's going to ruin anybody. Uh, look well, look true, look at Mexico but, itself. Look at the Central American countries themselves. Right, but then but then but then again, his and the left's premise is that um, Americans are pigeonholed into this spot where they have no skill, no ambition. And therefore, you know, they're they're they deserve something, which is just which is just a load. Well, John, how uh, what what, uh, if I may ask, are you in your uh, how old are you? I'm uh, 45, 45. So you you and I are the same generation. We're Generation X. And you you remember as we were coming up, uh, all we kept hearing was, oh, don't don't take shop. Don't take all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, college is where it's at. It, it was this white collar emphasis. And, you know, you look at you look at America today and we're suffering from a lack of of folks getting into the trades. And it's because, True. again, of, of the elites who dominate education. I think they're partially to blame for this. Hey, hey John, I appreciate it. I uh, have a great weekend, buddy. Uh, let's get out to Louisiana. Patrick, welcome to the Chris Alcedo show. What's on your mind? Hi, Chris. Well, um, I, I kind of like what they've done um, for the fact that, first of all, yeah, our, our uh, unemployment rate is down below 5%. It's getting close to full employment. But how many people are still out of the workforce? So, you know, let, let's get them back into the workforce. Let's, you know, I agree with lowering how many immigrants we got. And then, and then secondly... Uh, like Glenn has talked about with technology and, and and stuff like that, how many of us are going to be losing our jobs due to technology? Well, it's you know? true. And, 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 and this whole idea that it's it's the same economic environment from the Irish wave or from the Italian wave or for the first Latino wave, America has changed. Technology has changed. Uh, the world has changed. So th- this whole idea that we have to operate under those old antiquated rules uh, of of immigration is just nonsense. We have to change with the dynamic and with with the society we live in. Yes. Oh, I agree, and, and that's what I'm getting at. In the future, we're going to have to be more fluid about our immigration. Um, like you said, we get the hundred first rounds of the draft pick. Well, if we don't need a center, why are we going to draft a center, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, what I'd like to see Congress do uh, with the merit-based system and ha- have it where it can be a fluid system to react to the needs of, of what we need. You know, the, the real, the dangable misery of all this is, though, Patrick, as, as much as the debate needed to be had, and I'm glad that Ruben and I had it, that there isn't enough courage in the United States Congress to tackle this issue. Uh, they are mired and they are obsessed and they are crippled by political correctness that they would, as Charles Krauthammer put it, and, and, and as I put it to Reuben, you have a job that you need done. It is whether it's putting a pool in your house, uh, replacing a water heater in your house, or putting a sprinkler system into your house, right? You have a job that needs to be done. And you have a choice between this dude who says, hey, 
I just got here and I have no idea how to do the job, but hire me to do it. I'll figure it out. And, and you know what? I'll do it for five bucks. And the other guy says, well, I've been doing this for 10 years. I went to school. I know the trade, but I, I'm going to charge you 10 bucks. Uh, today, I believe the caliber of thought process that we have in the United States Congress is, oh, well, we must take the guy who's downtrodden, the guy who doesn't know what we're doing for political correctness sake. And that's what, and I think that's what ticks so Amer many Americans off. There's already polling out there that shows this initiative rolled out by Tom Cotton and the other senator, I can't remember his name right now, and backed by Donald Trump is 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 enjoying immense public, uh, American public support. The unfortunate thing is the, the folks up on Capitol Hill, they're not listening. Again. The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right. Um, for those of you uh, engaging on Twitter, uh, message received, I, but I haven't received any feedback. They said they had it, we had an open mic here. On, on the Blaze Radio Network, and oh, I I asked for some feedback. What What is it exactly you were hearing? I wasn't saying much in the commercial break, so uh, only editing some things. So if you tell us what you guys were hearing on the on the open mic, and uh, I'll look forward to your feedback on Twitter, those of you that reached out on Twitter about that. Meantime, uh, we did the flip around the first hour. And we'll start off the second hour with a press conference that was held earlier today. Now, this is raw audio from the Attorney General of the United States. He was standing up there with Dan Coats, the Director of National Intelligence. And you heard some of that in the top of the hour news. And uh, they were pledging to go after these leakers. And we brought this up at the beginning of the program, too. Folks, the full transcripts of private conversations between world leaders were leaked. And I can't begin to tell you how damaging that is. Forget Trump. Forget how it made him look, it made him look bad. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you anything different. It did, it did though, however, reveal how concerned he is about what you all and the, you the people think about him but it also compromised trust that foreign leaders had in us which you know what i've got to be honest with you which makes me tend to believe that those who are leaking are children that they would damage other world leaders america's ability to conduct foreign policy just to take down Donald Trump, that they would do that. Kids, short-sighted children. 
and the fact that now world leaders know that they cannot talk to the president of the United States in confidence because, and again, I mentioned that Turnbull has a political problem erupting from this leak. So I, these Obama holdovers, and I think these were Obama holdovers because Turnbull said that he supported Trump's temporary ban on individuals coming in from majority Muslim countries that have a history of terrorism. Even though 42, 43 weren't affected, majority Muslim countries weren't affected, these six were. So I'd imagine these Obama holdovers who are big fans of radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists hated that idea. So they didn't mind creating political turmoil for the leader of Australia. So these leaks are dangerous. These leaks are far-reaching beyond the Trump administration. And I, you know what? I think these people are trying to finish the job that President Obama started. The decline of America. The, the making of the United States into just another uh just another country. Let's see. Uh, Cal Tex says, Hey, Chris, not open mic. It was just a report that was playing in the background in the top of the commercials. Okay. Well, okay. Well, all right. Well, I doesn't tell. Well, see, cause I was editing a piece of audio folks. So I, okay, wait a minute now. Okay. Now the stuff's pouring in. Okay. Oh, we are. <laughs> okay uh regarding the open mic now we uh, have all of your passwords and learned of your plans with jeffy later this evening <laughs> okay now i know y'all are bsing me all right very well <laughs> for the record i do not have any plans with jeffy all right and not that, not that that's a bad thing. Everybody picks on Jeffy. I'm not going to... Jeffy's a good man. Jeffy's a good man. I have to stock up when I invite him over to the house, you know, the pantry. But other than that, he's a good... <laughs> see? See? I couldn't resist. Everybody does that. That's a total joke. He's never been over to the house. <laughs> Anywho... Uh, back to the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. First, let me say that I strongly agree with the president and condemn in the strongest terms the staggering number of leaks undermining the ability of our government to protect this country. Just yesterday, we saw reports in the media about conversations the president had with foreign leaders. No one is entitled to surreptitiously fight to advance battles in the media by revealing sensitive government information. He's right about that. It's a, not only do they not have the right, it's a felony. I want these people found and I want them punished. I want their faces plastered. And you know what? When, when they are revealed, um, I will do my very best to research their backgrounds, who they voted for, who they donated to, and to make sure that their names are well known. 
and continue to be well-known as the Benedict Arnolds they are. That their names become synonymous with Benedict Arnold. People who would sacrifice their political desires, who would sacrifice the country for fulfillment of their political desires. The lowest of the low. And those who contribute to the incivility that has gripped our country. No government can be effective when its leaders cannot discuss sensitive matters in confidence or talk freely in confidence with foreign leaders. We're here today to talk about the dramatic growth in the number of unauthorized disclosures of classified national security information. Unauthorized disclosures, the fancy term for leaks. The fancy term for leaks designed to do one thing, to embarrass the president of the United States because they can't stand him. And what these people don't realize, and, and, and it's, it's all very coordinated, isn't it, folks? These individuals inside of the deep state, they work to tarnish the reputation of the president. So when their operatives, and they don't necessarily have to coordinate to get this done. Everybody kind of knows their role. We destroy his character over here. These guys over here come up with a, a fake Russia Trump investigation. The attorney gen, the deputy attorney general is bought off. You heard me. Rod Rosenstein is bought off. Perhaps himself as a closet never Trumper. Or for all I know, he may have been a never Trumper the entire time. I just took at face value that, that, that Trump's people were doing their homework on who they were hiring. Maybe because of their inexperience, they didn't. And the first chance Rod Rosenstein got, he appointed a special counsel to continue this, this, these stages. Erode belief in the president. Erode trust in the president. And then come up with fake shams, scams, uh, to set the table for a political impeachment. You guys know that there, there doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a crime to impeach. Uh, the, the, it's going to be a little bit harder, but because Barack Obama violated the Constitution of the United States. He was found to have violated the Constitution and he wasn't impeached. So just by violating the rule of law, that's not enough to get you impeached. There needs to be a, there's political will that needs to be, be in place. And brother, let me tell you, there's a lot of political will to impeach the president of the United States from nearly every Democrat and several Republicans who are never Trumpers, the John McCain wing, the Lindsey Graham wing, the Bob Corker wing. So it doesn't take much imagination to see what's going on here right before our very eyes. The folks, the Obama holdovers do their job by making sure they can embarrass him, making sure people cringe, giving ammo for Bill Crystal and others to fire away. Meanwhile, Bob Mueller 
given carte blanche by the deputy attorney general to do whatever the hell he wants, no guidelines, goes out, hires a bunch of Democrat donors to prosecute this case. When they start hearing of of Republicans trying to get rid of Bob Mueller, who has obvious conflicts of interest, then all of a sudden they hastily convene a grand jury and panel a grand jury to head that off. It's all very coordinated, folks. It's all very coordinated. And what none of these people have considered, or maybe some of them have, maybe the dupes haven't, but those who are the Obama holdovers, the Obamaites, I want you all to consider this. What happens when this government invalidates millions upon millions of votes for Donald Trump? What happens? Consider it. I'll be right back. The antidote to the Brian Williams Press. The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo show. I mean it, folks. I, um, I, it, th- this goes, you know, I, some, some, some douchebag got onto to Twitter yesterday, added me onto an expletive laden list of what he called Trump supporters. Because there are people out there that despise this president. And our, our position has been clear that this president is an improvement on the last and was a definite improvement from what Hillary would have been. He loves the country. He's a successful man. And where I can support him, I will. Where I can't, I won't. And that's been our commitment. But everything the man has done so far, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding where I disagree with some of his policies. His policies... Every single time I bring up the word policies, everybody else, these never Trumpers or these Democrats bring up the P word and not policy, the other one. And I'm sitting, as a matter of fact, I filled in the day uh, on my old digs on the Houston show at KSEV. I was doing the morning show. Some guy called up and wanted to talk about how Trump's tweets this and Trump's language and he doesn't act presidential and all his BS. I said, well, what do you disagree with him on policy? Well, yeah, but he tweets this and he tweets like a dude. Did you not hear the question? What about policy? What do you disagree with him on policy? Yeah, well, he he grabbed the grabbed the the p word, dude. Really? I get that you don't like the man. I get that you hate him personally. Tell me his policies that you disagree with. What? You don't like Justice Gorsuch? What, you don't like the stripping down of the 600 regulations that Barack Obama shoved down the throat of this country, costing this economy $743 billion? What, you in love with that? Did you want to see that stick around? Well, no, I didn't want to see that stick around. Well, then what the hell? 
Oppose the man on a policy. I don't like his tweeting. Okay, fine. You don't like his tweeting. What about what he's tweeting about? What? You think John McCain had a point when he killed trying to get rid of Obamacare? Granted, the Senate bill was nothing to write home about. But make no misun- don't misunderstand. John McCain didn't kill it because he wanted straight repeal. He killed it because he wants to save Obamacare. As does that reprobate Lamar Alexander. So, come on. I get the personality conflict. And they're going to be, these people who don't like the president personally are going to be out there willing dupes for the people who are going to use this president to do harm to this country. And I want you guys to think about this. Imagine a country where millions of people put in a political outsider because the political establishment had failed. It wasn't the political establishment that rebelled against Obama. It was we the people. Tea Party was born because of him. It wasn't uh, Washington that inspired over 1,200 loss of Democrat seats in this country. It was Barack Obama. And it was the people who responded by saying, I don't like this. And those people who loved it, they're still there. They're still in Washington, D.C. And they're very much on the Obama agenda. Prop up enemy regimes like Iran. Prop up enemy regimes like Cuba. Prop up enemy regimes like China. Allow them to do whatever the hell they want and degrade America. Make sure our F-18s, only half of them can fly. And those that do are flying on cannibalized uh, parts. Same thing with our ships. Cut back our military. Make sure that we inundate our military with social experimentation to threaten cohesion and effectiveness. The people that helped Obama carry all this out, they're still there. They're still there. And they would like nothing better than to complete his mission. To take America down a few pegs. To turn over responsibility of world leadership to some other country. We've had it for too long. We've had it too good. And these aren't, these aren't the dupes out in America that go, I don't like uh, Donald Trump saying that he grabbed a woman's uh, P-word. 12 years ago. I don't like that. It's not those people. At least you can say about those people is that, hey, I don't like the way the president talks and I don't like what he said 12 years ago. Somebody could rationalize. They're standing on principle there, not policy, but principle. But the other people, those folks who are leaking who have nefarious designs on this country. Those are the ones you got to worry about. And if they succeed, trust me, this is what they're working for. 
that are working for the day when an election is nullified and the crap storm that comes after that. I can guarantee you this country will be ripped apart. And then it's Barack Obama's mission accomplished and those he left behind. Mission accomplished. And I don't want it to happen. And I don't think you should want it to happen. Your personal feelings about the president aside, I would just uh, suggest, gently suggest, that you deal with President Trump on policy. And then open your eyes and recognize what this guy's up against. I'll be back in a minute. We'll get more of Sessions in on The Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Committed to investigating and prosecuting these referrals. And when few investigations take place, criminal leaks may occur more often and a culture of leaking can take, can take hold. So today, I have this message for our friends in the intelligence community. The Department of Justice is open for business, and I have this warning for would-be leakers. Don't do it. That was the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, laying out a warning. Dan Coats said that the leaks are coming from the White House, from the intelligence community, and from Congress. Congress we're used to. Uh, Congress leaks like a sieve. But the leaks from the White House are very disturbing. And the leaks from the intelligence community, incredibly disturbing. This is an NSA and FBI who are supposed to protect the country. And instead, they're undermining the president of the United States and harming our allies. It's, it's got to stop. For the past several months, we've already made changes and are seriously ramping up our efforts. First, I directed my fine deputy, Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, whose district in Maryland encompasses NSA headquarters and who has personally led investigations of this kind and the investigator FBI director Christopher Wray to oversee all classified leak investigations actively monitor the progress of each and every case you know not only should there be a special counsel into Hillary Clinton's email and the pay for play scandal there, there should be a special counsel appointed. As a matter of fact, Jeff Sessions should get on that. There should be a special counsel appointed to investigate collusion between the Obama administration and Russia. I mean, let's find out about every bit of collusion. There is more evidence that the 
Hear me. There is more evidence that the Obama administration colluded with Russia than there is the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. We have more evidence. There should be a special counsel appointed to get to the bottom of these leaks with subpoena power for all of these intelligence folks who are suspected of leaking with subpoena power for all these folks in the White House and members of Congress and their staff who may be leaking. Hell, if we're going to go for it, folks, let's go for it. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, your deputy, Rod Rosenstein, proved you don't need to have an underlying crime to call for a special counsel. But I think we have an underlying crime. Espionage. Revealing of classified information. Those are crimes. Real. Crimes we know that have been committed. You are well within your rights to call a special counsel. For Hillary, as James Comey said before the public, there were indications that she violated the law. Convene a special counsel. We know that these leaks that have been disclosed to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, are illegal. A crime has been committed. Attorney General Jeff Sessions in panel a special counsel to investigate. Do it. Certainly, certainly when we know that crimes have been or may have been committed, you can impanel a special counsel because far less has been produced to justify the current special counsel. Bob Mueller. And might I recommend to the Attorney General, if you do take my advice and convene a couple of special counsels, learn from the mistakes of your deputy, Rod Rosenstein. I'm making air quotes with my fingers. The mistakes of Rod Rosenstein. Do not appoint special counsels with obvious conflicts of interest. Secondly, I directed the National Security Division of the Department of Justice and our U.S. attorneys to prioritize cases involving unauthorized disclosures. The department will not hesitate to bring lawful and appropriate criminal charges against those who would abuse the public trust. Third, as I have said, we tripled the number of active leak investigations. In response, the FBI has increased resources devoted to leak cases and created a new counterintelligence unit to manage these cases. Simultaneously, this department is reviewing policies that impact leak investigations. And I've listened to our career investigators, FBI agents and others, and our prosecutors about how to most successfully investigate and prosecute these matters. At their suggestion, one of the things we are doing is reviewing policies affecting media subpoenas. Ooh. That is going to send shivers to the spine. 
the New York Times and CNN and the Washington Post. Now, I want to be crystal clear about this. I, I do not, I do not back up uh, investigations on the media. If they get leaked information, it would be irresponsible of the media not to publish. I'm sorry. If the Chris Salcedo show today got confirmation that H.R. McMaster was a leaker and that he kept Susan Rice, her security clearance on so she could be, I don't know, for, for some nefarious reason, I wouldn't hesitate to come on the air and tell you about it. I wouldn't hesitate. Um, if I had evidence of leakers in members of Congress's office and I had definitive proof, of course I would run it by Blaze lawyers and all that kind of stuff first to make sure that we were covered. But I, wasn't, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to bring it to you. If I got information that if I released it, would put men and women's lives in danger. I would work with the administration to release as much as that I could, but this program would not put American lives in danger. We wouldn't do it. I'm not a journalist though. And I'm not suggesting that other journalists would do this. Real journalists. Jim Acosta probably would (laughs) because we all know he's not a real journalist. But sessions continued. We respect the important role that the press plays and will give them respect. But it is not unlimited. They cannot place lives at risk with impunity. We must balance the press's role with protecting our national security and the lives of those who serve in the intelligence community, the armed forces, and all law-abiding Americans. Finally, here is what I want to tell every American today. This nation must end this culture of leaks. I couldn't agree more. It is harming the country. And though, and I believe those who are doing it are doing it with that. And to harm Trump, yes. But I also believe for them it's a twofer. They are giddy that they can harm Trump and harm the United States at the same time. They are giddy that they can destroy our credibility. This is their revenge against you for voting somebody in who they despise. Think about it. Before we go to break, I want to remind you guys of this dude. His name is uh, Shankar Singham. He jumped on with Tucker and, uh, basically said that that California was was poised to become its own country. And he's fully supporting it. And he said some other things. It's what we do. We're exporting our middle class to the United States. You guys should be thanking us for that. Not only that, you know, when our middle class does move out to Texas and to Colorado, they're taking our values out to the United States and, and to Texas. So if you look at Texas, in fact, all the major cities that, that Californians are, are, are going to, they are turning blue. Yeah, well, first off, those who are fleeing California 
are those who are typically centrist and leaning right. And the dynamic here, folks, is just like those who flee communist Cuba. When they get to the United States, they become conservatives because they recognize the dangers of socialism and left-wing ideology. It's the same dynamic with California. But our buddy here, Shankar Singham, had something else to say about California. I will play that for you coming up next. And a response by the one, the only, Victor Davis Hanson that will basically put in perspective for the rest of the country. Don't go down the road California's going down. I'll be right back. It's your Radio Republic. Be heard. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, I guess we'll call this segment uh, Left-Wing Extremist Nutballs. And uh, I'll get to our buddy Shankar Singham in just a moment. I, I can't believe, I just got this on Twitter, and I can't believe I missed it. Our buddies at the Washington Examiner. Here's the title. CNN insiders rip Jim Acosta's antics as auditions for his own show. (laughs) Even the folks over at CNN recognize what Jim Acosta is doing, folks. It's not journalism. He he, he He wants to be like your liberty loving Latino. He wants to be able, he wants so badly to give his opinion. But I'll tell you what, little Jimmy, you lose your press pass when you do that. You're not press anymore once you become an opinion guy. (laughs) Uh, Jim Acosta is suddenly one of CNN's most controversial figures, a journalist, a controversial figure. They're not supposed to be by definition. Even among some of his CNN colleagues who say his public battles with the Trump administration are going too far. Nobody wanted to go on record, though. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hey, Jim Acosta is getting plagued by leaks <laughs> inside of uh, CNN. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, back to uh, Shankar Singham, this guy who jumped on. He's a Cal exit guy who wants California to secede. And we remember, we talked to Liz Wheel about this. Out of all the movements of secession, California has a real chance. If they get a ballot initiative, they could vote for it. Anyway, Shankar Singham says this. California is just not America anymore. Uh, Well, this is California. We're not the United States. We have our values are different. Um, We're we're fundamentally uh, different in the way we act, we speak and how we think about the world. We we are going to do things that are going to be beneficial for our state. And we don't we disregard what the United States thinks or even their laws. Uh, For example, our marijuana. Uh, sanctuary cities. We just, if it's good for the state, we're going to do it, regardless of what the federal law is. So there you have it, folks. And now everybody's going to say, who is Shankar Singham? He's, well, he, nobody elected him. He's just a loudmouth guy who's part of a, 
an advocacy group to, to separate from the United States who has no earthly idea how to make that happen. But is he so different from lawmakers out there in California? I mean, I think, I think he sounds like Jerry Brown's speechwriter. I think he sounds like anybody in that state legislature. legislature. Oh, we don't, we don't obey the laws we don't like. But we want all the benefits from being part of America. Victor Davis Hanson, folks, VDH, one of the great conservative thinkers, let us all in. If your state decides to go the way of California, this is what you're in for. About 75% of the geography of California is red. All of the minerals, the oil, the agriculture is, is farmed or worked or mined by conservatives. And when they go, they're not leaving to spread California values or leaving because they have 13% income tax, the second highest sales tax, third highest gas tax, and yet their schools are rated 46th in the country. And they're, uh, I think Forbes rated our freeways 49th in the country. So we have one out of every four people in California was not born in the United States. And we have 22% below the poverty level, one out of three on welfare. So it's, it's Mississippi and Massachusetts in one state. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great line. Mississippi and Massachusetts in one state. You know what it means by that? The, the, the impoverished and the elites. And that's exactly what socialism does, ladies and gentlemen. You get the very rich upper class and the very poor lower class, and the middle class is driven out. Don't go down the road. California wants to take you down. Remember, everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people. Have yourselves a great weekend. Back here on Monday, The Blaze Radio Network, 3 o'clock Eastern. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network.